0: Hello and welcome to episode 170 of the UK True Crime Podcast, I'm Adam. Today's story from Hampshire is along a familiar theme, the dangers of affairs. Some people like the excitement, but I don't know about you, I can quite do without any more complications. Life is tough enough when you support the mighty league united without other distractions. As usual, a huge thank you to all my supporters at Patreon. But especially the new members of this exclusive club. That is Sandy May, Tom Reed, and Cyclark. Thank you so much for your support, which is much appreciated. Today's show is brought to you by Grind Coffee. Grind helps you make better, more sustainable coffee at home with compostable coffee pots filled with organic and fair trade coffee, compatible with your original style Nespresso machine. It's great coffee. Doing good. Grind was founded in 2011 when they opened their first cafe in Shoreditch, East London. And today they serve millions of customers each year from their stores across London and they ship tens of millions of coffee pods to their customers all over the world. So, why do I love Grind so much? For me, it's just great tasting coffee. That's my number one priority, always. But like you, I increasingly care about who I buy from and grind source their coffee directly from smallholders around the world, empowering them to grow their farms, invest in their communities and continue to farm some of the best coffees in the world. Oh, and don't worry if you don't have a coffee pod machine, as they offer ground and whole bean coffee too, all delivered directly to your door. What is there not to like about that? So you just need to sign up and you'll receive your pink refillable Grind tin for free with your first coffee delivery, then get monthly refills for your tin in letterbox friendly packaging. Simply answer a few questions about your coffee preferences and they'll get your pack tailored to you. Get your first 30 compostable coffee pods for just £5 plus a pink refillable Grind tin. When you go to grind.co.uk, and use the code TRUECRIME, with no spaces, at checkout. That's over 60% off the perfect cup of coffee at home. Just head to grind.co.uk and use the code TRUECRIME. This episode is brought to you by Noom, n know that to be more productive and get the most from life, I need to be healthier. I think we all know that to enjoy a healthier lifestyle in 2022, means building new habits. But when you try to change the habits before your mindset changes, the results are temporary. For me, one example was trying to go without breakfast, which actually meant my productivity was much lower than normal all day long. Noon's psychological approach has really helped me with this. It also helps me when I shop, as I used to look at some foods and just think I wasn't allowed them when eating healthier but now I know I can eat any food in moderation. It's the same when I have a bad food or drinks day. That's fine. Well, as long as it's not every day, as tomorrow I will resume making better decisions with help from the Noom app. And as Noom only needs 10 minutes of my time a day and is super easy to navigate around, it's so easy to fit in as it will be into your day. And this realistic commitment is why 80% of Noom users Finish the program, and over sixty percent have stuck with their goals for at least a year. Lose the weight for good. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com/uktcpod. That is N-O-O-M.com/uktcpod to sign up for your trial. Do it today. Okay, so let's quickly set some context with our guest of the month and year game. Top of the UK music charts was Pink with So What. In the US it was (laughs) T.I. It was Somebody with Whatever You Like. And top of the Australian album charts was ACDC with Black Ice. In the news this month, former NFL star OJ Simpson was found guilty on charges of kidnapping and armed robbery in Vegas. Music, podcast and video streaming service Spotify was launched. Iran's attempt to create the world's largest sandwich, 1,500 metres, failed when crowds ate it before it could be measured. Love it. And in UK true crime news, footballer Luke McCormick, her former goalkeeper for Plymouth Argyle, was sentenced to seven years in prison for causing death by dangerous driving. You may recall that McCormick crashed into the car of Philip Peake, killing Philip's two sons. Aaron, 8, and Ben, 10. McCormick was found to be well over the limit and served four years of his seven-year sentence. Did you guess the month and year? It was October 2008. The Swanwick Railway Station in Hampshire is, well, unless you're one of those who hangs around train stations with a notepad, it's just another ordinary-looking railway station frequently used for journeys to Southampton on the south coast and north to Victoria Station in southwest London. But in October 2008, 40-year-old Paula Poulton was found dead in the boot of her black Peugeot 206 just by the station. Her clothes were terribly bloodstained and she'd been stabbed seven times. It was clear that Paula had been there for a number of days. Officers had the terrible task of telling Paula's husband Rick, who lived with Paula just two miles from where her body was found, that they had discovered his wife's body. It was news that Rick had been dreading since that Friday night, 11 days ago, when she left the house at about 8.45, heading out for the evening. Initially, when she didn't come home, he just assumed that the night had turned into a large one and she had stayed over at a friend's house. He told people that he thought Paula was out on a bender, something she'd done before. (laughs) Yeah, if you're not in the the UK, you probably need to check that one out on Google, I reckon. The next day, Rick turned up for duty as a steward at Southampton Football Club, as he and Paula did for every home game. They were huge fans of the club and enjoyed being part of the matchday experience. Rick constantly called her mobile, but didn't think anything had happened to her just that she'd gone off somewhere without telling him. If anything, at first he was more angry with her than concerned. But as the days went by, he became increasingly worried and called the police. He began to fear the worst, as since the day she'd left, Paula had not been to work or accessed her bank account. This really wasn't like Paula at all. Now that they'd found Paula's body... Detectives looked in more detail at the couple and their lifestyle. Rick, a builder, was 54, 14 years older than Paula, and they'd married three years earlier. Rick told how their relationship was volatile, with some amazing times, but also some difficult periods. Rick told how, and I quote, It could be volatile, yes, lots of shouting, just mainly arguing, arguments mainly over her drinking. He told them again how on the evening he'd last seen her, they'd cuddled and it'd been a sad time there'd been some tears shed as their cat had recently died. Detectives weren't convinced by Rick and they arrested him on suspicion of murdering his wife on the very night that her body was found. Rick was devastated and he pleaded his innocence as he was bundled into a car and taken to the police station. Whilst interviewing Rick, detectives garnered more information about Paula and quickly realised that her life was complex. Rick was unaware that Paula had been having an affair with another steward from Southampton Football Club, 57-year-old Royal Mail driver Roger Kearney. And although it had only been going on for three months, it wasn't just a fling. It was serious. It was really serious. Just a day before she disappeared, Paula told her best pal that she was planning to move in with Roger at a place nearby. They were going to look at places together. Her friend, as she would be, was concerned that this had all happened way too quickly. And it also seemed to her that Paula was doing all the pushing. She was really asking this man to leave his partner and spend time with her. And Paula also told her friend how she was irritated that Roger didn't get in touch with her as much as she contacted him. It felt too one-sided on her side. But the friend supported Paula, as you do, and shared her excitement about her new future. Paula told her that she was seeing Roger that evening and asked if she could tell Rick that they were going to be together that night, which her friend agreed to. She was used to being an alibi for Paula. Detectives visited Roger Kearney, He readily admitted to the affair with Paula, but was considerably less keen on moving in with her than Paula was. According to him, rather than some beautiful romantic love affair, it was more a case of occasional sex in their cars late at night on deserted streets. In fact, he told how Paula was so full-on that he felt pressured and he wasn't planning on leaving his long-term partner, Carol. On the day of Paula's disappearance, he told how he and Paula had had a 20-minute or so conversation on the phone when Paula had asked him to view some properties for them to move into the following week. But Roger wasn't keen, and so he told her he wouldn't be free at all the following week, as both he and his partner were on holiday. This didn't go down well with Paula, who was both annoyed and upset by this. After all, she was giving up a lot to be with Roger. Roger told how he agreed to meet Paula at Swanwick train station on the night that she disappeared but he insisted he didn't kill her. Detectives had a bad feeling about him, he was shifty and unfortunately for Roger there were inconsistencies with his story about what happened that evening. He said he left for a night shift in his Mitsubishi Shogun at 10 o'clock that evening for the 15 minute drive to work but CCTV evidence showed he left home at 9.31. Just 12 or so minutes later, Paula's black Peugeot was seen on CCTV in Swanwick. This is believed to be the last sighting of Paula's car. And when he got to work at the Royal Mail Depot at Eastleigh on the night that Paula went missing, Roger didn't use his swipe card as he normally did. Detectives suspected this was to hide the fact that he was late to work after he'd killed Paula. But Roger told him it was a simple explanation. He probably followed somebody else into the depot, or else someone had left the building as he came in and held the door open for him. When he was asked why he was seen running into the depot via the vehicle entrance, he had a clear explanation ready, which is as he'd headed back to his car to get his glasses and then ran back using this route as it was a quicker option for him. detectives found that unusually, when he returned home after work the following morning, he'd washed all his clothing, including even his fluorescent jacket. Was this to get rid of forensic evidence? Checking his phone, they found that after Paula went missing, Roger barely contacted her. Just a few very impersonal messages with jokes and no personal comments at all. But although Roger was a strong suspect, detectives had a number of problems. Neither on Roger's clothes or in the car where Paula was found was any evidence to link Roger to the murder. And there were no witnesses. Where Paula's car was found was on a station road with street lighting, with some traffic, people getting on and off trains periodically, and there was a taxi rank nearby so there was more traffic there too. With no forensic evidence being found in Paula's car, had he killed Paula in her car but left no evidence? Or maybe had he killed her elsewhere and moved her to the boot when she was dead. But due to the short time that he had available to commit the crime, that seems unlikely. But there was no CCTV in the spot where her car was found. So had somebody else killed her, put her in the boot of the car and then left it there in the knowledge that it wouldn't be captured on CCTV. And there was another man potentially in the frame. Some social media sites, especially those connected to Southampton Football Club, suggested that Paula was having a second affair at the time. It seemed that she had told a friend that Paula was scared of this man she was seeing as he had threatened her and she knew he was capable of violence. She said she wanted to finish it with him, but told her friend that she feared that he wouldn't let her. This man was never, it seems, traced by detectives, and it's unclear if this line was ever investigated thoroughly. But detectives now had three suspects, with a potential motive to kill Paula. Her husband Rick, Roger Kearney, and this third man. Of course, it could have been somebody else who wasn't yet in the picture. But officers were very clear who they believed had murdered Paula, and that was Roger Kearney. He'd had a number of affairs, and detectives believed that he felt that if he was caught out having another one, he feared his partner would end their relationship, which he was quite happy with. This wasn't a chance he wished to take, which is why he chose to kill Paula. Paula's husband was released from custody and cleared of any involvement in the crime, whilst Roger Kearney was charged with murder and faced trial. He denied murdering Paula, Defending him, Nigel Pascoe, QC, said that Paula's husband Richard had more of a motive to kill her. He said he was not accusing him of the crime, but told the jury at Winchester Crown Court, I simply point out, if you are looking for a motive for murder, he would have more of a motive than the man I represent. He went on to say that the prosecution case had found not one scrap of forensic evidence linking Kearney to the murder. There was some moving testimony during the trial, none more so than from Paula's dad Phil who said Never a day goes by when my wife Jenny and I don't think about what has happened. It's just always on our minds. Jenny suffered terrible nightmares. She wonders whether Paula was calling out for her when she died. When the evidence had been heard the jury was sent out and then returned from their deliberations with a unanimous verdict. Guilty of murder. And for this, Roger Kearney was sent to prison for life with a minimum term of 15 years. The judge told him that he was convinced that Kearney had decided to kill Paula following the heated phone call during which he told her he couldn't see her the following week. He said, I'm satisfied that Paula Poulton was quite angry to hear this and it seems entirely likely that she threatened that she would destroy your relationship with your partner. I am satisfied that you were determined not to give up this comfortable lifestyle. Outside court, Paula's husband Ricky said, I've got some wonderful memories of Paula. The good times we had far outweigh the bad. In time, I will forgive the affair, but I will never, ever forgive him. The whole 19 months has been hell. First off being accused of Paula's murder, then one of the things that hurt the most was the defence, saying I'd motive to kill Paula. Justice has been done for her. The charity Inside Justice weren't convinced that Kearney was guilty and continued to investigate a potential miscarriage of justice. Their investigation appeared on our TV screens in 2016 on the BBC. They found that some evidence had been lost, contaminated or destroyed by Hampshire police. The charity said this was key, as now science had moved on, the material should be subjected to new testing techniques. Viewers watch Louise Shorter from the charity tell Kearney on the phone that some evidence was sent back to the police and they destroyed some things, which is pretty devastating a clearly rattled Kearney responded, I will go to my deathbed, saying I did not murder Paula. The police force didn't deny that this had happened, saying that an officer in the case destroyed items without consulting the senior investigating officer, but they added that this was not detrimental to the result in the case. The charity also continued to appeal for the so-called third man we discussed earlier, who was, it was suggested, also having an affair with Paula. And in the programme, Louise Shorter also gets some anonymous texts about Kearney, with one talking about Kearney's vile, volcanic and uncontrolled temper, adding, Kearney is an extremely unpleasant individual under the velvet cloak. Try not to be his next female victim, professionally or otherwise. Another text she received suggested that Kearney got rid of key evidence by burning it during a fishing club barbecue. There was also some questioning of the CCTV, which was so key to the prosecution case. If you get the chance, I strongly suggest you watch the programme and see what you think. I wasn't convinced at all that a miscarriage had taken place here. But what I like about Inside Justice is they aren't trying to prove innocence as such but they're just looking into a whole case, believing it should be looked at in more detail. Paula's dad, Phil, didn't have his mind changed either by the programme. He said, A lot of what I saw wasn't a lot different from what we heard in court. I have no doubts about Kearney's conviction. I know he's guilty. Just after the programme finished, one of my mates rang me up and said, Well, we've got nothing to worry about there, have we? He did say he needed a couple of stiff drinks to help him cope with the distress of the programme, adding that his wife Jenny felt unable to watch. So what do you make of what we've heard today? I struggled with Kearney's QC saying that Paula's husband had more of a motive to kill his wife than Kearney. After all that Rick had been through, losing his wife and being falsely accused of her murder, That was unnecessary, wasn't it? Sure, I get he was trying to place doubt in the minds of the jury and who'd argue it's his job, but that's pretty low, I think. And what are your thoughts on the crime itself? Did Keeney really have to murder Paula to stop her telling his partner of the affair? It all just seems so extreme and unnecessary to me and there must have been other options he could have explored, right? But, and I hate to say this, Kearney seems to me a pretty basic sort of guy, bored of his life and having affairs to bring some excitement to an otherwise mundane existence. The problem is, as you'll know, we all read Dear Deirdre, that once sex is involved, however casual it seems to one party, just a bit of fun is how he described it, people do sometimes get feelings for the other and all sorts of emotions are stirred. Lives are destroyed. We hear it on this podcast time and time again. Maybe he should just have been straight with Paula at first and it was just fun for him. But then again if he did, it seems very likely that she'd have had no interest in a tacky affair just for sneaky sex in a car on a deserted road every now and then. It's not exactly living the dream, is it? I feel so sorry for Rick, Paula's husband, having all this information about his relationship across the media and now rake through again by podcasters like me. Let's hope he's been able to move on in some way with his life. And finally, our hearts go out to all of those who love Paula. A caring daughter and great friend to so many, who met a violent death at just 40 with so much life left to live. As I seem to say almost every week on this podcast, it seems that all she did was fall in love and dream of a better future and for this she was murdered in such an utterly horrendous fashion thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the uk true crime podcast to discuss this story or any other aspects of uk true crime please do head to the facebook group just search uk true crime and as you probably know i produce a weekly podcast free of charge that's 270 so far if you would like to support me and help me keep producing this podcast every week, please do support me at Patreon. For as little as £20 a year, you can access bonus episodes, see other exclusive content, and help me produce this podcast every week, which I so enjoy doing. Just head to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. Okay, so that's all for me for this week. So until we speak again on Tuesday, please do take it easy. And despite all the others, it's always the others, isn't it? Tell me all about it. Please stay classy. Cheerio for now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.